Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today's episode features Welfare's Cole Riley. Welfare is a nonprofit organization on a mission to solve food insecurity. Working alongside the country's best food and beverage brands, the Welfare Box program brings healthy groceries like chickpea pasta, plant-based milk, protein bars, and low-sugar beverages to families in need for free. This chat was a really interesting reframe about how we think about nonprofits as well as the entire D2C space. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. On with the show. can't enter into neighborhoods that are swamped with junk food and put a salad in someone's face and say, you can only eat this from now on. There needs to be a middle ground, this balance of some junk food options, but also having some healthy food, protein bars and functional beverages and, you know, the center of the grocery store. That's what a healthier bar or a healthier chip or a healthier beverage can do. Be that stepping stone to eating a lot better across the board. But right now, let's give the kids some tasty, healthy, familiar snacks, and let's talk about salads down the line. This podcast is sponsored by Klaviyo, the email and text marketing platform that puts D2C brands in control. If you're the leader of a D2C brand, you need a platform that hustles as hard as you do. Klaviyo unlocks the power of your e-commerce data so you can personalize and automate messages that keep customers coming back. D2C brands communicate with Klaviyo. Get started for free at klaviyo.com slash DTC. Hello and welcome to the D2C podcast. Cole, what do you think people get wrong about not-for-profits? Well, I think that there's a big misconception about nonprofits, a few, that really they're only meant to serve a very small section of a small community, and they're here to solve small problems, and it's a community effort. I think that nonprofits can be a lot more grander and a lot more impactful than we believe them to be. I think that if they take the principles of scaling, uh, founded for profits, founded the greatest startups of the past 10, 15, 20 years, I think nonprofits can be an incredible vehicle to solve the problems that have been plaguing at least, you know, our society for the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years, they can be solved through the nonprofit model. So I think there's just so much opportunity for nonprofits going forward, people scaling products, services. Uh, and I'm excited to be a part of, I think, this new wave of nonprofits going forward. I've had some experience with nonprofits in my in my time as well, and there's just this there's this sort of internal feeling when when you're there that the growth isn't the objective necessarily because you you don't want to grow because you're trying to solve a problem that you don't want to grow. It's a bit of a paradox. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's kind of like a hinge type of deal where you're designed to be deleted. That's the idea behind many nonprofit models. But I think that. Most of the organizations that are out there today, say the big, big, big dinosaurs, the American Red Cross, the Feeding Americas, I think they could be much more advanced and and much more wide ranging and serving many more customers than just those in low income communities. And I think if they did that and they thought like that and they had products that, that touched all different types of customers with different access to capital and with different products and services, I think they could better serve those in low-income communities. I think if a Feeding America had a network of three or 4,000 grocery stores and convenience stores that sold products that paired with food pantries, I think that'd be very interesting. I think if the American Red Cross had hospitals that anybody could walk into, I think that'd be really interesting. 
you know, for us, I don't want us to be designed to be deleted. I want us to have an entry point and to be able to have a targeted customer to start, to have a mandate. And that's what being a nonprofit's all about. You have a mandate. You better serve a community and serve the people and help people that need help. But I think that if we think grander than that, we can be a better position to help more people in need and then elevate them and be there as well and be a part of their journey from you know free products to purchase products, free services to purchase services, and you know across their entire lifeline. Amazing. Now, we, we often start with the why on the podcast, and you've got a big why as to wh- why you started Welfare. Can you talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the project's genesis, why you created it? Yeah, so I got thrust into this space of getting good, healthy food into people's hands last year at the peak of the pandemic around March in New York City. Um, I had been working, trying to build a content studio, working with a lot of emerging food and beverage brands when really it started to get out of control in New York and the hospital started filling up. What I started was this campaign called Founders Give, which was rallying a lot of local food brands to donate excess product into hospitals. And we would handle logistics. We would communicate with the brands, communicate with the warehousing, communicate with the hospitals, and make sure that products were getting into the hands of healthcare workers and patients. What started off as a really small local campaign blew up. And we got practically every food and beverage manufacturer from small kombucha brands to Chobani, Kine, Nestle, Kellogg's, all of them, to start donating product into the hardest hit hospitals in the nation, which were all right here in New York City. That was a 10-week campaign. It was the largest private relief effort. And what it did was establish this community of brands that were hungry for a new solution to donate their products to people in need. At that moment, it was healthcare workers. But long-term, past, present, and future, it is the community. It is these food deserts. It's these neighborhoods where people really only have corner stores filled with junk food to turn to for food or pantries that are very inconvenient or inconsistent, unreliable. How can we get the healthiest food, the most innovative products that line the shelves of Whole Foods into those people's hands more efficiently? and have a better customer experience and get brands involved on the ground, what can we do there? And that's how welfare came to be late last year and then officially launching earlier this year. It was a new approach to getting these products into people's hands through a direct-to-consumer model. We launched the Welfare Box, really inspired by Imperfect Foods, Misfits Markets, Thrive Market, where you take products that are donated, you put it in a box, and you deliver it to someone who signed up for the service. For us, we're a nonprofit. It's free food in, free food out. It's a targeted customer. But right off the bat, even with a small impact in the one corner of Brooklyn, we are on a completely different plane than the other nonprofits out there. Just the way we treat people, the types of products we source, we're inspired by Thrive Market. We're inspired by Imperfect on all the different kind of categories of how to develop an incredible product and customer experience. So, you know, we launched this program because we felt there was a need for a new solution to a problem that seems to have been present forever. I mean, certainly our entire lives for, you know, decades and decades and decades, access to healthy food that is priced affordably no one has been able to crack it. And we think that we're going to start setting this, the foundation to start solving that now. So how does it actually work in terms of getting the food into the hands? Is, is it a person-to-person sort of enterprise? 
it's a massive operations workflow behind the scenes. And, you know, I see a lot of organizations get very cute about these types of solutions. At the end of the day, you have to roll your sleeves up. You have to set up warehousing. You got to intake pallets and pallets and pallets of product, find workflows to pack that product seamlessly into boxes that are personalized to different customers, and then find delivery way methods that get it to their door or get it to a pickup point, all with communication. I mean, really the beats, you know, that you see with any type of, you know, food company or grocery delivery service, we have to model our whole operations off of. So we operate a warehouse in Queens where we work with manufacturers directly to get our, their donated food directly to us. That's where we sort, we store, and then eventually pack using a huge network of volunteers, individuals, schools. A lot of our partners come down, pack boxes, and then we end up delivering those either directly to the doors of qualifying households who have signed up, and that's a whole you know, machine, or what we've recently been trying out are these pickup points that are just like pop-up stores where people can come and pick up a box or sign up for the service. But it is a huge logistics framework and making sure that we have the correct model, the correct moving parts in the right position is, is incredibly important because we want to be able to copy and paste this across zip codes. I want to be able to activate new warehousing and new trucking and new product manufacturers very quickly. And so having the right formula today is going to help us next year, five years from now, as we scale. Again, this is inspired by, like, say, a sweet green. They spend a lot of time perfecting their model and not trying to get ahead of themselves and open up 15 stores within two years. But once they knew exactly how to do it and the cost mechanics behind it, then they can start exponentially growing and you can see where they are now. So we're trying to take a slow and calculated approach because it is such an operation. It's such a heavy lift for us. And this leads to being in a, in a concentrated geographic area, essentially. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right now, I mean, right now it's one corner of one borough in one city. And, you know, we're over here screaming from the rooftops that we want to solve this massive problem that no one's been able to solve. We want to be able to become the food destination for a market that is splintered, that is hungry for a new solution. That's 40 to 50 million people across the country that are food insecure. And we're in one little corner. So it, there's a paradox to that, but it's a but it's a start, and and your your strategy sounds sound for sure. I know a lot of food security organizations are based on produce and things that are are will biodegrade essentially. And this I like this approach of going with things that are a lot more non perishable, and they're the things that most often than not people reach for rather than a head of lettuce, right? Totally, and you know I by no means am here saying you know, salads and meat and poultry and fish and milk aren't the way to live a sustainably healthy lifestyle. I mean, that's, those are definitely the building blocks to nutrition, but you can't focus on those solely, nor can you enter into neighborhoods that are swamped with junk food and put a salad in someone's face and say, you can only eat this from now on. There needs to be a middle ground the middle ground that most neighborhoods across the country are able to live in this balance of having some junk food options and some, you know, fast food burgers, but also having some healthy food, having access to these convenient nutrition products 
you know, protein bars and, you know, uh, functional beverages and, you know, mushroom protein powder and, you know, these soups and proper good and vital proteins and bonza, those types of products that are healthier alternatives to packaged food products that are typically high in salt, sugar, and fat. Where's the focus on those goods? And, you know, the center of the grocery store, that's what we want to focus on at the beginning with this box program. And I think going forward with any type of evolution into retail is we want to focus on the products that people grab more often than not in grocery stores that dominate a grocery store, dominate the receipt. And that also are easy gateways for kids, for senior citizens, for working class moms and dads to start eating healthier. I think anybody, any food brand that's making a packaged better for you product will say that this isn't just about selling a product. It's about also getting people to be a little more mindful of what it takes to fuel themselves. That yes, we need to be eating a lot more protein and a lot less sugar and a lot less fat. And so that's what a healthier bar or a healthier chip or a healthier beverage can do is it can be that, that stepping stone to eating a lot better across the board. But right now, let's give the kids some some tasty, healthy, familiar snacks, and let's talk about salads down the line. And that's what I think our focus does. It's really, really been successful. I mean, people love to take a fizzy drink and open it up. It's just this one doesn't have that much sugar in it. Yeah. And this is what, what I talk about with, with all D2C founders is if you can become uh, part of someone's ritual in a way, if you're in their cupboard, you can make that swap between something that has no nutritional value or negative nutritional value and something that is beneficial for you. You know, making that part of someone's ritual change is a big driver for a lot of these founders. A hundred percent. And you know, we've been on the ground now for nine, 10 months delivering these products, delivering these brands. And what we're seeing is that we have that opportunity to become a gateway for these types of products to get into these neighborhoods. Because time and time again, our customers are coming back to us saying, the Bonza pasta was so good. And knowing because we're telling them and because it's on the back of the box that that pasta is actually better for them than the alternative, they're like, can we get more of those? I'd love to be able to purchase that stuff. It's just not in my neighborhood. And even if it is, it's, you know, just a little bit out of the price point. So that's where that opportunity is to be a gateway. I think for a while with donated product, but beyond that, there's an opportunity to be a lot more than just donated food. But yes, we own space in people's homes. When that box comes in and it sits on that dining table, when the products get unloaded and put in the fridge and the pantry, you got a kid walking to the fridge, it's 7 p.m. or right after school, 3.30, and they want something to drink. And typically, there would be a six-pack of corn syrup soda sitting there. Now, there's a six-pack of sound or a six-pack of rice where you can still get that fizz. Sometimes you can get that big caffeine boost, but you're not taking in 30, 40, 50 grams of sugar. And that is the swap that we think long-term can be hugely impactful. And it's just more fun. Because we just have, we own a longer stretch of the time in that household. There's so many products and they stay good for a while. So, uh, you know, every part of this focus on packaged goods and healthier packaged goods has been a winner for us from day one. How do top e-commerce brands like Caraway, Madeline, and Super Coffee increase average order value by 4% or more without hurting conversion rates? They're using CleanCart to prevent coupon extensions like Honey from auto-injecting discounts at checkout. Visit clean.io slash DTCpod to learn more about CleanCart. 
and sign up to start your free trial today. And so you're finding people to join this program. You're intaking information. What does it take to get onto this program if you were to come to Victoria, British Columbia? Yeah, so we need to create a means test, you know, because we're talking about a box of free food. We want to make sure that we are serving those that are food insecure, those that are going paycheck to paycheck and trying to figure out how to get food, let alone good food, onto the table. So for us in Brooklyn, the means test is, do you live in public housing? which is a big indicator that you're food insecure. Are you enrolled in one of these federal assistance programs? So SNAP, food stamps, or WIC, or SSI. These food assistance programs and and just, you know, really for low-income family assistance programs that help get some more money in the household to go out and hopefully purchase healthier products. But at the end of the day, what we're seeing is this very familiar story. It's a multi-generational household living in subsidized public housing that's on one or two federal assistance programs and desperately trying to find affordable ways to bring food into the household. And they're going to food pantries and waiting in line twice a week. They're you know, going to corner stores and trying to stock up on products just to keep the food you know, machine going for the kids and they're going to some low cost grocers. And then there's one grocer they travel to every month and they take the bus to, and it's a mess. And at the end of the day, they're spending more money than they should. They're getting shittier products on the table and in the pantry. And they're hungry for a more comprehensive solution right in the neighborhood. But it's the same story that we keep seeing. But we need to have that means test. And I think that means test will will be something that we will always have. We'll always need to have as we evolve and as we move on. The story is quite similar. Whether you're in a deep urban area or you're out in the rural areas of of America, there is the same familiar story of public housing, federal assistance programs, food stamps, pantries, etc., I'm trying to think if you're running a means test to accept people in the program more or less, that's a bit of a disqualifier sometimes to be able to afford the product at full price. So I'm interested in that part of is it's kind of it's it's sort of like investing in the neighborhood in a way. How how do you actually view that part of it in terms of manifesting markets down the line? Well, I think that, you know, with whatever we evolve into, and I am really, really interested in evolving into retail, is that it is 100% going to be some model in which these products that are typically at the $399, $499 price point are priced lower in the markets that we serve. And I think that's why being a nonprofit is so interesting and so important to that future vision. We can assume the losses on products because we're a nonprofit. We do not have to build necessarily pure profitability into our long-term vision because we can be subsidized by government or subsidized by a foundation, and we don't pay corporate income tax. So those three things with additional kind of levers of having free labor with volunteers and free products sometimes with donated product on the side to be distributed for free means that maybe we can have a vision where we have a store where we're purchasing product wholesale, we're selling it at affordable prices, we're being an incredible account for new brands, um, for a new customer, we're getting better products into people's hands at a price they can afford and we can assume that loss and still have a pantry and still have all these other things going on. So that's kind of the vision is look, right now, we there's an immediate need to get these types of donated goods off of factory floors and into people's hands. And in the meantime, we're establishing a relationship with a customer that's never had a relationship with a brand before. Their relationships are with these big 
bloated government programs and very hyper-local pantries. You don't see these companies, you know, the D to C companies, they can't afford to market in these neighborhoods. So there's no brand affinity in a low-income neighborhood with something like this, like a healthy food grocer. And that's what we're establishing kind of from, you know, really ground zero, not with any necessarily long-term thing that we want to convert people into customers necessarily, just it's such a cool opportunity to create a relationship with someone, understand who they are, what they're spending their money on, and then see down the line, what are those products and services that we can build out that do help them, that do develop them into essentially a better customer, yes, where we can sell them better products at prices they can afford. So, you know, everything that we're doing right now is a little strategic, but also just trying to, you know, plant the seeds for something that we don't even know may happen in two years. So we evolve into What's the total economic impact that you've sort of driven in this neighborhood in Brooklyn? Yeah. So since last year and through December of 2021, um, we've been able to deliver nearly $12 million worth of products. Wild. Um, 2.5 million products, individual units from this huge network of food brands for free. Free product in, free product out. And we've been able just operationally to become a very interesting partner for a lot of food brands who found it difficult to work with food pantries. You know, like we've talked about earlier, pantries and banks are typically focused on produce. They're typically working with distributors and they don't have that type of quick communication with a brand that we've created. So being able to procure product, we've been a great partner with brands to say, hey, look, we can take 12 cases right now. We can take 10 pallets right now and make it as simple as possible to get the food in and then we can get it out. And then we've got the easy product in that box, a very simple sign up process with the customer and a whole workflow to get that product in and out. So, yeah, really proud that, you know, we launched earlier this year. We've been able to do a pretty amazing amount of um, work in such a limited amount of time. Meanwhile, just trying to figure out the complications of building a nonprofit, which are completely different than trying to scale and fund a for-profit, um, you know, trying to do that while just building out this operations flow. And yeah, we've done 12 million since uh, through December, 2021. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, the, I, I talked to a lot of DDC founders who are leveraging uh, cause marketing or leveraging causes into into their marketing. I imagine that ability for CPG brands potentially to say, you know, when you buy a certain amount of product, we'll also donate a certain amount of product to a this group that's that's ha- you know helping with food security. Is that something that brands are kind of leveraging on their marketing side yet? Definitely, I think you know going into 2022, it's going to be a, a new component to our partnerships because again, I do not want to just be a you know just a partner with brands where it's just a product depot. I think there's a lot of incredible energy from the D2C community that we can leverage and and collaborate on for product, but for people, for volunteers, and for awareness. And that's where these give back campaigns can be really, really great for us. Is uh, you know, you know, for the next three days, you know, go online and you know, 100% of the proceeds from these two SKUs will help feed people. And something like that, I want to have a consistent flow of those going on. Things that you know, help brands continue to drive business for them. Because I, I, I do not want to be here just trying to leverage brands' goodness. I think that we can achieve both. We can push the company and get more customers purchasing their bars 
while also simultaneously making sure that we're getting funded and getting product and making sure that we're feeding our people, you can have both. You can take photos of the boxes being delivered and help the brands be able to market the good that they're doing while also actually doing the good. So give back campaigns I want to be collaborating on with all of our brands starting next year. It just being in this D2C space, I bet there's a lot of D2C brands that are amenable to your pitch, right? Like wanting to be a part of it. And I imagine in New York, are a lot of your brands local New Yorkers as well? I'd say probably 25% of the brand partners have distribution centers in the tri-state area or in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Long Island, or just have little offices in New York City considered New York brands. Overwhelmingly, though, it's brands from across the country. And yes, I mean, our pitch is really strong. I think we have a strong vision. There's a vision that that does evolve into a hybrid where we become another retail account and we are being able to bring their product to a new customer. But for now, we are a great operations partner because we could take short-coded close to expiration product off of people's hands and make sure it goes to someone's someone in need. And we can tell them exactly where it's going and when and be very transparent about that. And then also, yes, on the brand building and marketing side, we can be a great partner there too. Because for companies, especially smaller companies, it's tough to justify shipping three pallets right now and paying freight to get product to us, and you don't get anything out of it except for a tax letter. So I'm totally aware of that. Let's take the photos. Let's do the volunteer events. Let's do give back campaigns. Let's show off that you give a shit about this issue, and you're working with us to help further a solution. So brands are very excited about it. We launch new brand partners almost every week. There's two or three that go up on our website or Instagram, you'll see a new food brand or a new funding partner. And we feel really strong in how we're planting ourselves in this CPG community. Okay, so I'm curious in this, we've never had a nonprofit on the podcast before. So I'm curious how you'd answer this. If we were to grant you a, 50, a 50K grant to be used to grow your operations, where would you put it into welfare right now? Yeah, 2022 is more boxes, it's more people, it's more neighborhoods, it's more product. It's more, 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 more. It's not pivoting and opening up new services and doing all these different things in 2022. I want more impact and I want to spread beyond this corner of Bushwick and I want to be able to reach more people. So that means being able to increase our product procurement. I need to be able to put trucks on the road and subsidize freighting. You know, right now I rely on brands and distributors to get product to us. There's a lot of product out there that is, you know, that we could get access to, but I need to be able to get it on a truck. So that's where money can go. I think being able to get a box truck on the road in New York City to pick up product would be very, very impactful. I want to be able to get more boxes made and out to more people. So that means more distribution outposts with team leads that run each of the outposts and expanding beyond Bushwick so that we can have more of a footprint. That means more marketing and more posters, and more people kind of being the face with the community on signups. Volunteers can only go so far. I need to be able to build a little bit of a team around here to scale this thing out and continue producing boxes every two weeks for new members. So that's what welfare is all about in 2022, is more impact, doing what we know we can do really, really well. And that's what all the funding is going towards right now, is getting welfare more established in this borough and eventually across New York City as a provider of free, healthy food for those in need. Amazing. So of our audience of thousands of D2C heavy hitters, who are you most interested in reaching? Are you you know, actively looking for people that want to be involved in the program? Yeah. 
A hundred percent. I'm always looking for new partners and it's not necessarily just better for you packaged food partners. I mean, we can work with anybody. We work with the Brooklyn Nats. We worked with Sweet Green earlier this year. Um, you know, there's a variety of different ways that we want to plug in with companies, especially exciting emerging companies, whether it is product and it makes sense and it's food for that box or it's some type of give back thing, or it's just a volunteer event or a combination of a couple of things or getting creative or doing limited edition products, whatever it may be. We want to have conversations with all types of companies because I feel it. I feel it when we're talking with brands and talking with brand teams. People are motivated and galvanized by this issue, whether you are in a food business or not. Our theory, and I think a lot of people believe this, is that food is central to a thriving community, healthy food specifically. It is central. We think everything flows from access to healthy food, education and work participation and opportunities and crime All of it flows from being able to go get a healthy meal or make a healthy meal or buy some food and put it in your pantry. And so for us, we're able to really relate with practically any type of company because that is just the truth. So whether it's a it's a you know startup banking platform or it's a you know telehealth company or it's a protein bar kelp company, you know, we can plug in with a lot of brands and you know we're down to be creative to find ways to collaborate. So if people want to get involved, where should they go? Yeah, welfare.org, W-E-L-L-F-A-R-E.org. And there's a couple different ways to kind of reach out, whether you're on your own or you're a part of a team or you're a brand. You can check out, learn a little bit more about what we're doing. But you go right to welfare.org, see our whole operation, donate, become a monthly donor. What we do is $20 a month for individual donors who want to make sure that healthy food is getting into a family's hands. That helps us, 20 bucks a month. And it's just like a subscription. It goes right there with Netflix and HBO Max. And then you know that there is consistently healthy food getting into a family's hands with that $20. Sign up to volunteer. Come down, pack boxes in, in Queens. Distribute boxes in Brooklyn. Or for brands, partner up with us. Get creative. Let's find ways to work together to further our mission, further your social impact um, goals. And so there's a couple different ways to work with us, but it all starts with going to welfare.org. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumer, all one word, dot co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.